Philippians 4, 10 through 14. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that as last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know that what is what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything, everything through Him who gives me strength. Good morning. If, if you don't know me this morning, my name's Brother Ed Stewart. And I come from Mid-America Christian University. I want to tell you a story. I love stories. There was a couple old boys roaming around in the woods. Come to find out they was lost. Didn't know where they was going. And as they're traveling through the woods, they come up to this big opening in the center of their travels. And they, they walk out and they come across this hole. One of them about stumbles in it. And so they kind of back up. They're like, Ooh, that's a deep hole. So they decide they want to throw something down in there to see how far down it goes. So they try to scavenge up something. Couldn't find a stick or a rock or nothing. So they come across this big old car transmission. And so they said, that looks good enough. Let's huck that down in this hole. So they pick it up and they come over to the hole and they just chuck it right down in there. So when they do, they, they come listening and all of a sudden this goat comes from behind them and just... My lays them in the back and travels down in that hole. And they look at each other like, what in the world? And then a few minutes later, this farmer comes out. He says, y'all boys seen my goat anywhere? And they's like, sir, your goat just came from that way and just jumped right into this hole. We don't know what's wrong with it. And he said, that can't be possible. My goat was chained to old car transmission. This, this morning, as you noticed, our letter or our scripture is from Philippians 4.13. But before we get too far into this letter, I want to share a little bit about myself with you. I grew up in the church, born and raised. I'm pretty sure that, you know, I, was, I may have been born in church. Literally born in church. I've been there that long. And my mom raised me in the church. She raised me to always love and trust God. And so really, the Christian life has really been all I've ever known. And since about the age of five or six, I remember people tell me, you're going to be a preacher when you get older. I told them they was plumb crazy. <laughs> Didn't want no part of that business. I said, don't y'all put that evil on me. But unbeknownst to me, were they prophesying? And about the age of 13, the Lord told me to be a preacher. And so I'm like, oh boy, I did not want that. I didn't want to be a preacher. And at the age of 11, at a state youth convention, most folks, most kids give their life to the Lord at a state, you know, a church camp. But it took a whole convention for me to come, come over. <laughs> but 
once I gave my life to the Lord, and that's really kind of where, you know, I've always known God to some extent and sought after God. But at age 11 at the state youth convention is when the Lord revealed to me that this is a real relationship. It's not just a way of life. It's not just a way of living. But it's a real relationship between us and God, between me as my between me and my individual self and God, between you and God. And so, a couple years later, the Lord taught me to be a pastor. And like I said, I didn't want no part of that. And even though I accepted the calling, that didn't stop me from doubting God. That doubting that I was called to be a preacher. Because like I said, I didn't want no part of it. So I began to ask God, I'm like, God, you've got to send me a sign. I can't do this. You know I hate being out in front of people. I'm not good enough to be a preacher. I don't know the Bible well enough to be a preacher. I don't know the Bible well enough to get up there and just start shouting the word. You've got to send me a sign to confirm me to me that I'm being called. And so one Easter Sunday, our, someone gave our youth leader a big old bag of Easter eggs. And the youth leader had no idea what was in these eggs. So she gave them to us. She said, someone gave these to me and wanted me to give them to y'all. So here you go. And we came up, got an egg. I can tell you what I was wearing in the exact spot I was standing when this happened to me. And as I was walking back to my seat, I opened up my Easter egg. And before I even pulled it out, I seen a little piece of paper that said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm like, oh no. Oh no. It has been confirmed. It is finished. I've got to be a pastor. Oh no. But anyway, I accepted the call. And like I said, even after that, I still, you know, to some extent doubted God. It took a lot of faith for me to acknowledge that though I told God I could not do it, that He was going to equip me. And that's what I told God. And that's how he answered me each and every time. That I know you can't do it, but I will equip you. And one year later, I was 13 when I got the call in 8th grade. And one year later, at the age of 14, in my freshman year of high school, the Lord called me to go to Ben America Christian University. So before I was even 15... I had two major callings on my life. One, what I was going to do for a career for the rest of my life. And two, where I was going to go to college to prepare for this career. I didn't want to go to Mid-America either. That was 750 miles away from home. I come from the Holy Land of Tennessee. That's all the way out in Oklahoma. That's no man's land. Yeah. The only people that go there are to watch the Thunder play. But... Like I said, didn't want to do that either. And a couple years after I had my calling to both be a pastor and to go to Mid-America, I was diagnosed with severe clinical depression during my junior year of high school. I just randomly woke up one morning severely depressed, so much so that it took all strength I had within me to get out of bed and go to school. I didn't know what was happening, didn't really know what it was. All I knew was I was just extremely sad and didn't know why. So I went to the doctor, and it took all I had to tell my parents, you know, me being the stubborn man that I am. 
did not want to tell my parents what was going on because what kid wants to tell their parents are struggling. So I went to the doctor, got diagnosed, and then as the depression worsened, it not only affected me mentally but spiritually as well. I began to get frustrated with God and question God saying, What are you doing? You've called me to be a pastor. You've told me where I'm going to school and I'm not even 15 yet. What's happening? Have I not been obedient to you? And now you're giving me depression. And so, having that in mind, I wonder this morning, how many of you have found yourself in a very similar spot? Questioning God, doubting God, getting frustrated in God. I blamed everything that happened to me on God. Because that's the only thing I knew. I knew that God was good to me. And he called me. But then this happened. I'm like, what's up now? Maybe the reason for some of y'all is you're wondering, why did God take my spouse and leave me here alone? Why all of a sudden my child dies? He was so innocent. Maybe that's the question for some of y'all. Or maybe you or a close relative has wondered because you got a major illness like cancer or some other major illness and now you're questioning, what did I do to deserve this? What did they do to deserve that? I've been in the hospital room a lot questioning or talking to people while they're sitting there and asking me, why did God take my 12-year-old? Why did God give me cancer? It's a hard question. And I don't have the answers to all these questions of why. But I believe that we can catch a glimpse of the answer in this letter that Paul writes to us in Philippians chapter 4. This entire book, Paul is writing a very personal letter to the Philippians. In this letter, Paul reveals to us the very truth about these kinds of experiences. And in chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, Paul shares about his experience with both being full and empty, living in poverty and in prosperity. He tells them, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you have lacked opportunity to show it. I am saying this because I am, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So in his entire letter, Paul shares his life with the Philippians about how they were being thank- about how he's thankful for all the love and helpfulness that they displayed toward him in his time of need. And the verses that stick out to me in this entire cha- book of Philippians is these few verses in, cha- in chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, because Paul reveals to us part of the answer to the question, why God? 
Paul learned the secret of being content in whatever situation, and that's the answer. To be content in every situation. That's pretty amazing. To be content in anything life throws at us. That blows my mind. Paul was a man who experienced all of it. The good, the bad, the ugly, you name it. He was a king, had everything he wanted, could have had anything he wanted if he didn't have it. He was thrown in prison. How can you be content when you're thrown in prison? He lived in poverty and prosperity. How can you be content knowing that once you've begun to proclaim the name of Christ, how can you be content knowing that there's a price for your head? People wanted to kill Paul. He wrote this letter and a few others while he was in a Roman prison. So again, what contentment is there in being in wanting to be thrown out of every place you step foot? This was Paul's life. And he says, I've learned to be content in any and every situation. So what is contentment? Contentment is being satisfied. We associate being content with being happy or liking where we're at. Which is the case in some circumstances, but not all of them. Contentment to some extent is being happy, but contentment doesn't mean being happy. What about when life throws you trials? What then? Are you happy with that? No. So by Paul saying, I've learned to be content in every situation. And he experienced the good, bad, and the ugly. What happiness is there in that? He just said content. I was talking with one of my friends on the way to church one Sunday morning. And they were telling me about a conversation they were having with their mentor. And their mentor said to them, you don't have to like where you're at. But you do need to be content with where you're at. And I thought, those are some pretty wise words. Now some of you might be thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just told us contentment wasn't being happy. But we have to like where we're at. Contentment is being joyful. And now you're thinking, aren't joy and happiness the same thing? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. No, it's not. Contentment and happiness, or happiness and joy are not the same thing. Joy in the Greek means that you have recognized God's grace. So to be joyful is to have recognized that God has favor on you. Because grace means God has favor on you. That is the grace of God. And contentment is not always about being happy. Contentment is being joyful in that you have recognized God has favor on you and wants to be with you, wants to be near you, and wants to bless you. This is contentment. It's not always about being happy. It's recognizing that God is with you during your time of struggles. That is contentment. So you don't have to like where you're at, but you have to be content with where you're at. That means that if you're in a mountain or in the valley, you know that God is with you. That is joy, which is contentment. I mentioned earlier a little bit about my struggle with depression and that I questioned God for everything that was going on in my life. 
during this time of depression as it gotten worse there were a few instances where I got really suicidal it got so bad that every morning when I got in my truck which I have a big truck it's full size Z71 Chevy heavy that's a lot of power and every morning when I got in that thing and started it up and headed down the road, the only thing I could think about was what it would be like to wreck in such a way that it would kill me. To end it all. And in the midst of that, there were two occasions that really stick out to me. And that was a really crazy experience. The first of which was a time when I held a pistol to my head. With the intention of pulling the trigger. And as I was squeezing that trigger, I heard God say to me, I'm not done with you yet. And the second occasion, I was laying in my bed and I grabbed the biggest, sharpest knife I had. And I held it to my throat, ready to end it all, ready to be done. And once again, and I swear both of these times were audible voices. That I heard God say with my ears. I'm not done with you yet. And so. When I truly realized. That this is not the work of God. But the work of the enemy. I still question God. I'm like. What are you doing to me? What's going on? Why am I depressed? Why are you giving this to me? And he answered me with this. I did not do this to you. This is the work of the enemy. But in this, I will make you stronger. And that's when I truly realized this is contentment. Knowing that God is with me. And I became content in my depression. Though I was ready to kill myself and die... I grew content because I knew that God did not give me this. That God was going to strengthen me to get up and go. I took God's hand and He has guided me through the valley. And there came a day when I saw the light. When God gave a divine healing of my depression and have not suffered with it. In five years. I grew content because I knew there was light at the end of the tunnel. I grew content because I knew that through this I learned that as long as I submit to God. There will be joy in my pain because Christ is my gain. My dad once told me, he said, son, it's okay to fall as long as you get back up. But it's not okay to fall when you don't get back up. Friends, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're full or hungry, whether the good times or the bad, you will never be content unless you have Christ. You will never be content unless you have Christ with you. God has stretched out His hand because He has favor on you. This is the grace of God. So grab His hand 
which has been stretched out for you. And he will guide you through the valley up to the mountain. That is contentment. Knowing that when you fall, you can get back up again. That's contentment. Contentment is knowing that you don't have to stay where you're at. Contentment is knowing that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's contentment, my friends. If we are submitted to God, there will be joy in our pain because Christ is our gain. Contentment is knowing Christ is with you. But you have to be submitted to God. Again, we will never be content without Christ. Without Christ, it's not going to happen. There will be no contentment. You will never be strong enough to pick yourself up when you fall down if you are without Christ. We have to fully submit to God, seeking Him in every situation by praying without ceasing, by submitting to His Word. When I learned to be content with my depression, I learned to pray this prayer. God, I don't have the strength to overcome this on my own. But you, O God, have already overcame my pain on the cross so that I no longer have to bear this on my own. So would you increase my endurance that I may be empowered to be submitted to you instead of submitted to my pain. Oftentimes when we have hardships, we go to a friend or a family member or a pastor to seek counsel. And we get so caught up in that sometimes that we forget God is our ultimate counselor, the ultimate counselor. We have to submit to God's word because he has given us his word as divine counsel. And when we submit to his word, we can go to his word and find any healing or any comfort that we search for. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul tells them to pray without ceasing. Prayer is our way of communicating with God. We give God praise, thanksgiving. We give our needs and burdens to God. Prayer is how we communicate. So not only do we have friends and pastors and family, but we have God. We have to communicate with God to receive counsel. When we have stopped communicating with God is when we have stopped being submissive to Him. And when, and that's impossible to walk without Christ by yourself. It's impossible. You cannot walk through this life comfortably without God. And without Christ, again, our flesh is all we have and our flesh is weak. And we will never be strong enough to keep doing this. We'll never be strong enough to pick ourselves up when we fall down if we're out Christ, without Christ. So, how can we be strong enough if we don't have strength itself? To live is Christ. To die is gain. If we are living by the flesh, we must die. And when we die, we have gained Christ who is our strength. 
When you have Christ, you are then able to find contentment in every circumstance because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. As our worship team comes back up, I want you to stop and think for a minute. Imagine what life would be like if we could find peace amidst every storm. Imagine what it would look like to be strong even when we feel the weight of the world has taken rest on our shoulders. Imagine what it would look like if the whole world knew we can find joy in our pain. This seems impossible to find joy in so many unfortunate and troubled circumstances. But it is entirely possible if we submit to God Resist the lies of the enemy. Because when we submit to God, there will be joy in our pain. Because we have gained Christ.